You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Jesus is saying, now, I say to you, ask. Greek scholars say it means keep on asking, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Keep on seeking. Knock. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. To him who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? I hope not. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? In the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. In today's message, Pastor Danny will encourage you to keep asking and seeking and knocking. When you open your heart to what the Lord has for you, and when you seek Him with your whole being, great blessings will follow. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Matthew chapter 7, as he continues his message, The Gifts of the Holy Spirit. To every nation, for all generations, together in love, we'll move mountains by we live the life of God. The soul's safety is in its heat. Truth without enthusiasm, morality without emotion, ritual without soul, make for a church without power. Destitute of the fire of God, nothing else counts. Possessing fire, nothing else matters. I'll give you a couple more quick ones and then we'll get into some of the gifts. Oswald Chambers in his book about his life called Abandoned to God He also struggled for years, not only personally as a Christian, but in his ministry with no real significant fruit. And uh, one day, by dog determination, based on Luke 11 and what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, he says, I just claim by faith uh, everything the Holy Spirit had for me in this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Oswald Chambers says, nothing happened. But the next time he got up to preach, he gave an invitation. Forty people came forward to receive Christ as Savior. It scared him so much he ran out of the meeting. It's in his book, Abandoned to God. Jack Deere, just a few years ago, was one of the professors at Dallas Theological Seminary. Now, please understand, I'm not being negative on Dallas Theological Seminary. I have good friends uh, from Dallas Theological Seminary. I have very... Professors there that I respect highly and tremendous men of God. Jack Deere was a professor there for years, but God rocked his world. He writes in his book, which I read several years ago, Surprised by the Power of the Spirit. And I'll quote, The shift in my thinking was not the result of an experience with any sort of supernatural phenomenon. It was a result of a patient and intense study of the scriptures. That's how I came to believe these things. Almost against my will, he says, I now believe that God was healing today and speaking today. 
I still had a significant revulsion toward the gift of tongues. Even if that gift were for today, I didn't want any part of it. And I did not want any part of what I thought were common abuses in the charismatic or Pentecostal movements. But God has stretched Jack Deere's spiritual envelope. Now, I want to begin talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And they're wonderful. But I want to digress just for a minute in talking about the gifts. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. When you find the place, we're going to go down to verse 4. The gifts I'm about to read, Bill Gothard years ago dubbed these the motivational gifts. And I think that's a good classification for these gifts because I think he's right. Motivational gifts. Let's read about them. Verse 4. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying or prophecy, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging or exhortation, Let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others or giving, let him give generously. If it is leadership or administration, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Now, let me clue you in on something. I hope you'll understand this. Everybody needs to understand. If my primary motivational gift is administration, governing, and it's not, that doesn't mean I'm not to be merciful. Okay, so just having one primary motivation doesn't say, well, because I got that one, I don't have to be this. Okay, I hope everybody knows that. I believe these gifts are unique in this way. Listen to what I'm saying and please understand. I believe these giftings, that's my personal belief, we have control over. One of the gifts that's been confirmed, it still amazes me. Today, when I say it to you again, it still amazes me. But people say I have the gift of teaching. I'm amazed at that. I'm amazed. I really am. But that's what people say. Over 30 years of ministry, uh, you have the gift of teaching and teaching the Word of God. Another gift I believe I have is prophesying or prophecy. Now, if you think prophecy is just foretelling future events, no, 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 no. Hang on. We're going to get to that. It's just speaking the truth by the Spirit of God. Every time I teach the Word of God, I'm also prophesying. Okay? If you share the Word of God in truth, you're prophesying. We all have the privilege of prophesying. But before I jump to that, prophesying, it's one gift here that's unique to the second list of gifts uh, we'll see in a minute. You find it in both places, but it's the only one in both places. All right? But let's look at this first. In each one of these seven motivational gifts, if they were represented in a family and somebody just spilled a drink on the table, here's what each one might say. Now, you think about Christians you've known for years, and you may be able to identify a gift or gifts uh, motivationally that they have. I can identify our staff, our pastoral staff that's been with us for years, and I can tell you which one has a particular motivation. All right? If the drink were spilled... The gift of mercy might say, don't feel badly. It could have happened to anybody. That's mercy. And the motivation is to relieve embarrassment, to soothe them. Mercy. Oh, 
know you feel bad. You know, mercy. <laughs> now, I don't believe I have that gift. No, I'm, I'm just telling you. I really didn't mean it to be funny, but... Uh, and I don't really take kindly to you laughing at that. It wasn't very merciful. I don't think that's my primary motivation. Now, am I, am I to excuse myself and say, well, I can't be merciful because that's not my motivation. No, I'm to be merciful. But that's not my primary motivation. Listen, here's one of mine. It's prophecy or prophesying. And I might say something like, that's what happens when you're not careful. And you, some of you guys, every service, I've had people look at me eyeball to eyeball that I've counseled before, some more than one occasion, and they know. They're looking at me going, yep, that's you. Because I'm not going to rub them and make them feel good. They're going to come, and I'm going to say, well, stop. Well, stop doing it. If you stop doing this, then that won't happen. Get down on your knees and repent. And I just want to correct their life. My wife recognized this a few years ago. She wasn't real happy about it. Imagine growing up in my household, being my kid. But now you understand, children. Serving. They might say, oh, let me help you clean it up. And they're going to get in there with their hands and they're going to help serve. Let me help you clean it up. The motivation is to fulfill a need. Somebody with the gift of teaching, this is mine too. That's what they tell me. The reason this spilled was because it wasn't balanced. Audrey, what do I do to try to correct your bad driving? The two times you've driven bad. I tell well, you, well, you hit a curb and that's why that thing fell off. Or whatever happened, you know. <laughs> She lost one of her wheel covers. And I said, did you hit a curb? Well, she said, no, not recently. <laughs> I didn't ever ask her, what is recent to you? Is that in the last 48 hours? Discover why it happened. Someone of the gift of giving, they just, I'll be happy to buy a new drink. And they're pulling out their wallet. They're going into their purse. And they're just going to buy something. Somebody with the gift of exhortation and encouraging might say something like, next time, please be more careful. But they'll do it in a very encouraging way to correct the future. Somebody with the gift of administration might say, Jim, would you get another rag? Carl, please wipe up the spill. And Bob, could you go grab another drink? And they're directing people. They're directing them. You do, you do this. You take care of this. And you, we're going to get the problems off. Achieve the immediate goal. All right? Now, go to a second list of gifts. 1 Corinthians Chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. These has been dubbed by Bill Gothard years ago as manifestation gifts. And that's the word the 1984 NIV uses to translate the opening here, verse 7. Verse 7, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And the common good is what's God's will? What does God want to do? To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, or the word of wisdom. It's the logos of wisdom, the word of wisdom. To another the message, or the word, logos of knowledge, by means of the same Spirit. To another faith, by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing, by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers, miracles. To another prophecy, or prophesying. And that's the one, the only one that you find in both lists. I'll tell you why I believe it's in both lists in a minute. To another, distinguishing between spirits or discerning of spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. This is a supernatural tongue. It's not a human language. It's a heavenly language. It's not something you study for. And it's for personal edification. We'll look at that one, I believe, next week along with some of the others. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. Also a supernatural gift. 
All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. Now, we're only going to finish our time today with one gift, and it's the one you find in both the list, prophecy or prophesying. Now, let me give you a big definition of prophecy or prophesying, and this is the correct definition. This is the Greek word here in English. It's a discourse emanating from divine inspiration and declaring the purposes of God, whether by reproving and admonishing the wicked, comforting the afflicted, revealing things hidden, or, or foretelling future events. So it's not just predicting the future. I have a lot of different applications to prophecy or prophesying. I've already mentioned every time I teach the word of God, if I'm teaching the truth, I'm prophesying. Every time you share the word of God in truth, you're prophesying. Go back to the first list in Romans 12. It's there because I believe we have control over those gifts. I have control in the sense that if I'm a gifted teacher, it doesn't mean I just stand up here and say, Holy Spirit, just fill me and let me say what you want me to say. No, I got to study. I got to prepare. Nevertheless, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit to be able to teach the word of God. Are you with me? So we have control in that sense over those motivational gifts. That's why prophesying is also in that list in Romans 12. That's what I believe. But there is also a time where we might prophesy just for a particular moment, and it's not prophesying based on studying and preparing to prophesy. It's just something God gives us that he wants us to say, and somebody else hears it, and God uses those words to speak to them in a very unique and supernatural way. Let me say this. Sometimes we can prophesy and we don't even know we're prophesying in that supernatural sense. Sometimes it's so natural, we don't recognize that it's supernatural. I cannot tell you, I cannot tell you how many times over all these years of pastoral ministry, people have come up to me or written me an email or written me a note and say something like, I invited these friends to church. They finally came with us and they got angry at us. Because they thought that we had ratted to you on them. I can't tell you how many times that's happened. We had people coming up last night and saying, yeah, I remember years ago when I came, that's exactly what happened to me, one of our security guys. And you looked right at me. I didn't even know him. I didn't even know him. One of our longtime elders that was with another ministry uh, with Larry and those guys, and he came to visit last night, and he came up and he said, yeah, years ago back in the warehouse, I invited this guy, and he came. He was in adultery. And Fred said, just in one service, you didn't say it in other services, in one service, you just stopped in the middle and said, I just feel like, and I said this, and he said, I looked right at the guy. And he thought Fred ratted on him. That's prophesying, but it's not prophesying after studying and preparing or somebody ratting on somebody, which is God. One of my favorite memories of prophesying while I was preaching and teaching was back in the warehouse and... uh, there was a time I was uh, working with Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and I was the chaplain for the Northeast High football team. We lived right next to the high school. I would go over every home game, and it was a voluntary thing, but a lot of players came. They would come, and they had a classroom they let us use for our ministry, and they would come. We'd do a little Bible study, and then I'd have prayer with them before every home game. Well, my wife and I felt led to get more personal with these players, and so we uh, scheduled a dinner. I let them know ahead of time, and I invited all of them to the dinner. And pretty much all of them said they would come until the day of the dinner. 
You know how many came? One. I'm trying to identify with this, you know, high school student. And I said, what kind of music do you like? And I remember he said, I like Guns N' Roses. I didn't know who they were. Axl Rose. Like, he's the lead singer. I didn't know that. I said, well, I like Grand Funk Railroad. And he gave me the same deer in the headlights look that I gave him. We had the dinner, got to know Randy a little better. Randy ended up graduating. He was a senior that year. He got a job after graduation at Blockbuster when Blockbuster was still around on 4th Street. I'd go in occasionally to Blockbuster. I'd see Randy. I'd, how you doing? Talk to him. But he never came to know Christ. He never made a commitment to Christ. And uh, we just continued to pray for him. Then one day, he just disappeared. I didn't know where he was, and I lost contact with him. Four plus years later, I'm doing a message in the old warehouse and in one of the services, it just popped into my mind. It wasn't in my notes. It wasn't pre-thought. And I don't even know what the point was. I told the story about Randy Almquist, FCA, inviting the students. Only one guy came, Axel Rose, Guns N' Roses, Grand Funk. Told him the story. After the service, guy comes up to me. He is white as a ghost. I didn't recognize him. Had all of his hair cut off pretty much, really short. He said, I'm Randy. Really? He tells me the story. He joined the Navy. He got stationed in San Diego. Spent four years in the Navy. As he's preparing to get out of the Navy, he wanted to go into business. He met some people in business. He became friends with them. They invited him to their church, Horizon Christian Fellowship, Mike McIntosh, a Calvary Chapel. He enjoyed the service. He came home to visit his mother here. And he asked them, you know of a church I could visit while I'm out back home? They looked up and they said, well, there's a Calvary Chapel there. And they gave him the address and he showed up. And at that particular service, out of all the services, I told that story. And God grabbed the hold of him and he came forward. Isn't that great? Listen, I didn't know I was prophesying. Now look, I didn't say, oh, I got the feeling. Oh, I'm getting a word from the Lord. Now, listen, listen, listen. Some of you I just offended. Now, can God use people that are weird? Of course he can. No, listen, sometimes you got to admit that sometimes they just, oh, I'm getting it, you know, oh, and then I'm, I want to run. Oh, like, they're getting worked up here. And believe, yeah, I just got in trouble saying that because God uses, God uses all kinds of vessels. I'll leave it at that. But sometimes prophesying is so natural, we don't recognize that it's supernatural. Let me give you one more thought before we put down the landing gears. Did you know that God sometimes uses unbelievers to prophesy? John's gospel, chapter 11, verse 48. One of the Sanhedrin says, verse 48, if we let him, Jesus, go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Then one of them named Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You don't even realize that it's better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own. But as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. And not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. God can use any vessel he wants. Caiaphas is an unbeliever, and God used him to prophesy. One of my favorite Old Testament stories is the story of Balaam. 
Balaam, if I understand correctly, was not a believer. He confessed sin, but he never really repented. Numbers 31, he was destroyed. But he prophesied. Better than that, Balaam's donkey prophesied. So if you've got pets, anything can happen. Your dog starts speaking to you, you better listen. (laughs) Philip, the evangelist, Acts 21, had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Now, last scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We'll talk about the rest of the gifts next week, or at least we'll begin to. And I think we'll get through them all, the manifestation gifts next week. But we're going to end with this one today, prophesying. Verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 14 is very clear. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy or prophesying. Same thing said 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. And prophesying is one of the greatest gifts. Paul will go on to say, and we'll look at it, I think, next week, uh, I'd like for all of you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather have you prophesy. Because tongues is more personal edification, rarely to be used in public, if I read my Bible correctly. But sometimes in public. But prophesying, it's a great gift to eagerly desire. How are we going to receive everything the Holy Spirit has for us? Well, it has to start with this desiring. And it says eagerly desire. Eagerly desire. Okay, one more. One more scripture. Turn with me, please. Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verse 9. Jesus says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Now, to set that up, he tells a story about somebody who came to a friend's house knocking because he needed some bread. And a guy says, it's in the middle of the night. I'm not going to open the door for you. But it says because of the guy's persistence, boldness, he's going to get up even if he doesn't want to. It's kind of like the story in Luke's gospel where Jesus talks about the persistent widow that's going after the unjust judge. And just to get her off his back, he's an unjust judge. He says, I'll go ahead and make sure she gets justice just so she'll get off my back. And then he goes on to say, well, how much more will a just judge? God. Same kind of thing here. Jesus is saying, now, I say to you, ask. Greek scholars say it means keep on asking, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Keep on seeking. Knock. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. To him who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? I hope not. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit? those who ask him. But the asking in the context of this scripture, 1 Corinthians, eagerly desiring. I looked up those words again. Not only keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, but ask means to beg, to call for, to crave. Seek means to aim at, to strive after. Knock means to knock loudly and persistently. And so we got to keep desiring. Like some of the people I told you about in the opening, that just continue to seek the Lord and pray. And as they kept praying and they kept seeking, there came the time when God said, okay, okay, here's what I got for you. 
We're so thankful to be able to share God's Word with you on The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. We've been journeying through Christian basics together, learning what it is to be forgiven and how important it is to stay focused on Jesus. If you'd like to hear today's message again or more from Pastor Danny, visit ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab. We'd also like to invite you to join us in our Bible reading plan. This is a great way to get into the Word every day, and reading God's Word is so important. You can find out more under the Resources tab at ccfstpete.church. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment to ask you to partner with us in prayer here on The Living Word. Prayer is such a powerful tool, and it helps us to remain in steady conversation with the Lord. Here on The Living Word, we hope to always teach the Word in order to reach the world. We know that it's easy to get lost in fear and doubt, especially in the world today. But when you seek the Lord first, the days look a bit lighter, and the enemy loses his foothold on our lives. If you're listening today and you're wrestling with your faith, take heart. This world is not your final home. Keep seeking and keep praying. Don't lose faith. Thanks for praying and for tuning in today. Join us next time as Pastor Danny continues teaching through Christian basics right here on The Living Word.